This is Kyle Tully, and you're listening to the Consulting Tycoon Podcast. This episode, we're talking about breaking the feast or famine cycle. And this is one of the most common problems I see in the consulting world. And solving this challenge is the first step to getting consistent cash flow, building a business that's predictable and scalable, that's a whole lot less stressful than what you might already be used to, and a lot of fun. So let's get started. So the situation that many consultants find themselves in is they start their business and there's some kind of marketing event. So maybe they send a direct mail letter or they go to a networking event and drum up some business. Maybe they have a speaking opportunity or maybe they just are talking with friends and you know are able to get some business that way. But there's some kind of marketing event and they get busy. They get some clients, they get some work. It might be one client, it might be two or three or five, but whatever it is, they get really busy. And the first thing, the first thing that always stops when you get busy is your own marketing. And what eventually happens every single time is that the work dries up, you finish the projects, and you've got nothing else in the pipeline. And that's what leads to the feast or famine cycle. You're either super busy, just feasting on clients left, right, and center, or you're in the famine mode where you've got nothing and no work on the horizon, nothing in the pipeline, nothing going on, and you're scrambling, trying to get something to work. And the best example of this was actually when I first started my copywriting business, that was one of the worst business models for the feast or famine cycle, because as a copywriter, you go really deep into a client's project. So I would spend you know anywhere from two to four weeks just doing the research for a project, And I would go really deep into that and I would be all consumed by it. And I just didn't have the headspace to be able to go and hunt for new clients and be trying to drum up work while also, you know, really, really deep into this research mode. And so, you know, I I would have a great month where I go out and I get ten or $15,000 worth of business, but then it would take me four to six weeks to do that work while all that time I'm not doing any of my own marketing and sure enough, the work would dry up and I'd have a really bad month the next month and have to go out and start the whole process again. And if you contrast and compare that to my new agency, which is our AdWords business, which is purely focused on recurring income and clients that come on board once and and stay for a long time, it's a night and day difference. So today we're going to talk about some strategies that can help you overcome the feast or famine cycle. I'm going to tell you how I was actually able to overcome it in the copywriting business and also obviously how we've completely overcome it with our our new agency now. So the feast or famine cycle, it doesn't necessarily sound that bad. You know, if you have a really good month and then you have a, a really bad month, it kind of averages out to an average month, right? Well, that's great in theory, but it doesn't actually play out like that in the real world. Because what happens is when you get busy, you tend to get really busy. And when you're really busy, the work starts to get a little bit sloppy because you just there's not enough hours in the day. You know, you're working way more than you should be, your resources are stretched, and no matter how much you want to do the absolute best perfect job ever, things tend to fall through the cracks and you, you do get a little bit sloppy. That's just how you know the, the world works. And then that sloppy work leads to slightly less referrals from people. And it leads to slightly lower results for your clients. And then you get real busy. And of course, like I mentioned before, you stop your own marketing. And when you stop your own marketing, your pipeline dries up. And when you've got no pipeline, you have those quiet months where you've got little revenue. But the problem is you've often got these fixed overheads like rent and employee expenses and whatnot. 
So you're paying for these things each month, whether you've got income coming in or not. And if you've got employees, or even if you're just the person still doing the work, that month where you're not really doing any work, you start to lose your efficiency. You start to forget those little tricks of the trade that you developed when you were really busy. So then when you do get new work coming, it actually takes you a little bit longer than it should to get back up to speed, to learn all those tricks of the trade again, and to deliver as fast as you could be if you'd just gone consistent work over and over and over again. And obviously when you do turn around and try to do your own marketing again, it takes a little bit of time to ramp up. And if you haven't done a ton of your own marketing in the past, then there's that learning curve as well. So you've got a learning curve. Plus on top of that, it takes some time for the marketing to start working and you just sort of iron out all the kinks and and start generating leads and making that work. And there's a real good chance you can run out of cash. So there's a, a whole bunch of implications that come from this feast or famine cycle over and above just having a slow month and not having as much income coming in. You know, there's some real big problems that emanate from this little cycle that people get in. So I want to talk about some fairly simple and easy solutions that, you know, on one hand, you look at them and you're like, that's too obvious, that's too easy. But on the other hand, having worked with many, many consultants over the years, I know that these are the things that are real easy to just kind of let slip and let slide. And you kind of forget about them because they are a bit too obvious. So the first one, and I've already mentioned this um, with our AdWords business, is focusing on recurring income. When you start doing this, when every project you sell is a recurring income project and people stick around for three or six or nine or 12 months or many years, as has been the case with our agencies, your business changes and it changes for the better. You stop chasing work. You stop having to hunt clients down. You stop having this sort of hunter-gatherer focus and you really focus on nurturing and growing and building the farm. So I like to think of recurring income as the engine for your business. If you've got a a nice solid engine that's well lubricated and and humming along, everything else that goes along with that car is going to run a whole lot smoother. So let's talk about a few different types of recurring income because some people tend to get a little bit stuck as to what they can sell on a recurring basis. So probably the most common thing for anyone listening to this episode is going to be some kind of monthly marketing package. So if you sell things like um, search engine optimization or pay-per-click advertising or those kind of things, they very obviously lend themselves to a recurring monthly payment situation. But there's also many other services, and we'll talk about them as well, that can be structured in this way if you think about it. Another option is, is to have a monthly payment plan. So if you really do have to sell things like as a one-off project, there's a reason that you can't do just a monthly never-ending recurring component. One thing you might want to explore to help even out those um, feast or famine months is to break those up into a monthly payment plan. And what you'll find, or at least what we've found, is you're able to sell packages that are much more expensive than you might otherwise uh, would have been able to if you're trying to sell them for an upfront fee if you break it down into a monthly payment plan. For example, you know, charging the average local business $25,000 for a project, no matter what it is, for most people is a pretty big chunk of change and there's you know, not a lot of people who have twenty five grand lying around to invest in their marketing. That's just the way it is. But if you can break that down into you know, a $2,500 commitment over 10 months, a whole lot more people can afford that and you'll have a much more stable income going forward as well. 
So the way I like to structure these things is we tend to have both. We tend to have um, an upfront fee for most of our clients, plus we have a monthly. And then we also split things up where we have some clients who only are on monthly recurring things. And then we also do the the odd one-off project. But for the most part, I would say about 80% of the work we do is purely focused on recurring income. And that's a very deliberate strategy. So when I was a copywriter, one of the ways I overcame the feast or famine cycle was through getting commissions. So I would set it up with a client where I got commissions, either a flat commission structure, where for every sale that I brought in, I got a percentage of the sale. I also had deals where I got paid up front and then have a a percentage of the sales over and above a certain number. There's a lot of different ways you can structure that. I've had clients who did SEO services and they worked on a commission basis as well. Uh, A retainer is a real old school type of thing, but a lot of clients still actually enjoy working in this capacity um, with with their sort of marketing consultants. I'm actually on a retainer right now with one client and it tends to work out pretty well. There's also things like obviously like support and hosting and those kind of slightly more technical things that you can bolt on as a recurring income source. One of the things we do in our agency is pay per lead. So we'll build websites and then we sell the leads to people. And that's, again, on a monthly recurring basis. We're also doing what's called the rank and rent model, where we build a website, get it ranked in the search engines, and then we rent out the entire website to someone in that market. And that's a really, really exciting model that I'm really fond of. And then if there's really nothing that you can think of, if you're just in some weird niche or some weird market where you can't think of something that someone can pay you for every single month, and I'll have a caveat to say that I think if you think hard enough, you will be able to find something. But let's just say you can't. The next best thing is to create a sequence of things that people are going to need. So if you're a copywriter and you really can't imagine um, what you could sell on an ongoing basis, think in terms of the sequence of projects. So if someone hires you to write a lead generation sales letter, well, the next thing they might need is a follow-up series for that, which could be you know, multiple sales letters. They might need a landing page done. They might need email campaigns. You want to start thinking in terms of the sequences that you can have. So while you might not be able to get someone to pay you on a recurring monthly basis, you can certainly have a sequence of projects that you're pushing most of your clients towards. And that can work really well if you're um, like a copywriter or that type of service. Uh, So in terms of services, some of the services my students and clients are selling, SEO, pay-per-click, website maintenance and updates, content creation, content marketing, video creation, video marketing, conversion rate optimization, um, all different types of copywriting services from the content end through to emails, sales letters, and everything in between, and then things like social media management. I've actually got a report on the consultingtycoon.com website um, that goes into a whole bunch of other services that you might want to look at coming into 2017 and above. So the next thing you want to do with this recurring income model is you want to productize your service. And I've talked about this a lot over the last couple of years because I've seen it be such an important Um, distinction that we've made in our business and with the the people I've worked with in the consulting space, it's one of those things that almost instantly starts to free up your time, helps you get better results for your clients, and just is a whole lot easier to, to sell. So when I say productized service, essentially what we mean is you sell a service as if it was a product. So if you sell video marketing services, you're not selling you know just random video marketing services where you do something completely different for every single client. 
you step back and you figure out, okay, what is it that we do that we're really good at that gets great results for people and you package that up into a product where it's like a conveyor belt. Every single person comes down the conveyor belt and they get the same thing done and it gets a predictable, consistent result for them. And when you make this shift from completely different services for every single client, which is really hard to scale, takes a lot of expertise, and you shift to a more productized model, you're going to find it's a whole lot easier to sell because you're put in a situation where your job is just to see if the prospect is a fit for your product. Hey, we're really good at doing this. If you've got this problem and you're in one of these markets, we can help you. Does that sound like you? That's a whole lot easier rather than trying to adapt a service to a product and convince them that you can solve their random problem that you've never solved before. Products are also bought off the shelf. In other words, people are used to paying up front for them. They're used to not having a lot of customization options. This will help um, combat, you know, when you sell things like websites and people are coming back with, you know, asking for a bigger logo or asking for the font size to be different or asking for a pixel to be moved here or there. You can really start to overcome a lot, a lot of those real fiddly things that come out of selling services when you move to a productized model and you say, look, this is what we do. We're experts at this. We're really, really good at delivering this specific thing over here. If you like it and you want it, we'll do it for you. This is how much it costs. It becomes much more of a transaction rather than a back and forth sort of relationship where you've got to hold their hand every way. Because of that, it's going to limit the support that's required, both in that whole relationship um, phase, but also in the ongoing, you know, over the coming months and everything. And it's really easy to systemize and be delivered by almost anyone. So the first thing you want to do there is just start packaging up what it is you do. So, you know, 80-20 the thing. Figure out what's the 20% of stuff that we've been doing over the last two or three years that's worked really well for the majority of our clients, that's fun for us to deliver, that's profitable, that we can scale and grow. And focus on that. Just get really good at doing that. Package it up into a productized service. Create processes so you can do it step by step. You know exactly what's done for every single client. Create templates and tools to streamline that process, create scripts if you need them, both software and, and uh, verbal, and just get really, really good at solving that one specific problem. Sell it on a recurring basis. Just that one thing alone will make such a difference in your business. If you're just selling onesie, twosie projects here and there, shifting to this model will change everything. So the idea with productizing is that it's all process-driven. Right, Everyone that you work with goes through the same process. So you want to map this out. What is the process that you take your clients through to solve this specific problem? Map it out. Draw a process map. Then everything within that process map should be a system as well. So you might have five steps that you do for every client to solve their marketing challenge. And within those five steps, each of those is a system into itself. And you'll have checklists and processes and scripts and everything for each of those. The more you can template this out, and it sounds like we're taking away creativity from the process, but I'd like to think of it as doing the creative process once up front and then not having to worry about that again. Now, there's always going to be creative challenges within each project, but you don't want to be reinventing the wheel every single time. It's great for your brain as a sort of exercise, but it's not so good for building up your business and, and having something that's scalable. So we'll create templates for our projects. We'll have templates for the campaigns we run, we run for people. We'll have templates for the websites, 
for emails, for designs, for outlines, for just about everything. If we're going to do this more than once, we want to create a template or a process for it. And the key thing here, if you can structure it this way, is to have automatic billing in advance. In other words, you get paid up front in an automated fashion. So for a long time, we just did this through PayPal. I would have someone sign up and, you know, it dings their credit card for $2,000 at the first of the month. And, you know, if it doesn't go through, we don't do the work for that month. That's the best model overall because it's so simple. You don't have to be bugging people for, you know, following up invoices and sending invoices and going through that whole process and, you know, getting paid four weeks after you've sent an invoice. So I really like the auto build and advance model. These days, you know, we do it in many different ways, but PayPal, Stripe um, are two of my favorite ones at the moment. So with our uh, getleads.co business, which is my AdWords agency, it's pretty much all recurring revenue. Like we have upfront fees for clients where we're setting up campaigns and reviewing what they've got and building landing pages and all that kind of good stuff. But for the most part, 90% of what we do in that business is ongoing recurring work. And we'll actually actively turn away project work. I've turned away many website projects um, over the past year just because I know websites are they're really tantalizing because it's a big upfront fee, but they always tend to take longer than expected. Um, and in terms of results, I know we can get people amazing results from running AdWords for them, but just launching a new website doesn't necessarily have that you know massive bang for buck effect for them. So I'd rather build them a landing page and run AdWords then do the website and I know long term even though I might only charge them you know on the low end of $1000 a month for AdWords I know long term I'll make more from that project than I will a $10,000 website build So step 2 the next thing you want to really think about if you've already got recurring income coming in or you've got that side of your business sorted next thing you want to really focus on is your marketing process So if recurring income was our engine your marketing process is the fuel. You want to have systems for who is doing this marketing. If it's just you, you still want to think about this. Hey, who's doing it? What is going to get done? When is that going to happen? Where am I going to do it? Where is it going to go out to? Why are we doing it? Like, what's the point in this marketing? And then how? Like, what's the actual process for doing this? So when I look at um, people's consulting businesses and especially people who haven't really got into their marketing process yet, like they don't have a way to get clients other than maybe just networking or something. The biggest challenge I see is they simply don't have a clue about what they're doing or who's going to do it or when it should be done. There's nothing around that. Nothing is specific. It's all, well, I could do a webinar or I, I could do a direct mail letter. Or I could do some cold email, but nothing is specific. So the first step in creating your marketing process and making this something that happens every single week, if not every single day, is to have a system and write down the who, what, when, where, why, and how. One of my favorite quotes about creating a daily habit like this comes from Jerry Seinfeld. He said, the way to become a better comic is to create better jokes. And the way to create better jokes is to write every day. So I took this and this is how I got into a really great routine with my daily emails, which I did for um, a good solid couple of years until I got very sporadic with it for other reasons. But um, yeah, this worked really well for me. So you get a big wall calendar and you put it up on the wall and I would do three months at a time. And for every day that you do your marketing process, so for me, it was writing an email out to my list. Other times it's been sending a direct mail letter. Every day you do that, you get to put an X on that day in the calendar. 
And after a couple of days, you'll have a string of X's. And your job after that is just not to break the chain. You just want to keep that chain going. That, for me, was one of the most positive daily habits I ever instilled. And it helped create the marketing habit in me. And any time these days when you know I'm out of that habit or I feel like you know business isn't growing as fast as I want it to, I'll just go straight back to this habit. I'll pull out my wall calendar. I'll do my marketing thing for the day, put an X on that thing. And then my goal is just to get as many Xs in a row as possible. And you do that for 30, 60, 90 days, every single time business grows. I also like to have a weekly schedule. So on usually on a Sunday afternoon or sometimes early Monday morning, I'll plan out the rest of the week. What marketing am I going to do this week? Who am I going to contact and what days? And I actually put it on my calendar so I can wake up Tuesday morning and I see exactly what I should be doing that day. Just that reminder really helps embed that habit. This is especially true if you're a one-man band, you don't have a team working for you. You've got to create these habits yourself. You know, when you've got employees, you can just hire someone who is going to do direct mail for you or who's going to do email follow-ups. And that's their entire job, and it's really simple to see if they're doing it or not. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're the only person in your business, maybe you're just starting to grow your business, it's really easy to convince yourself that you're being busy and, and you know, working really hard. But if you're not doing marketing and you're not bringing people in the door, then you know, you're not going to have a business for very long. So I get my calendars uh, from Calendarpedia. I use their quarterly calendar, so it'll print out January, February, March, all on the one sheet of paper. And I'll just print those off four times a year for the quarter. And each day I do my marketing, I cross off something. Or if I'm tracking an employee or someone I've hired to do stuff, I'll print out a calendar for them. And each day it's done, I put a cross. It's really rewarding to see those crosses build up and up and up. So this is the second most important thing. Once you've got the recurring income, you've got to get your marketing going. And if you haven't figured out what marketing you're going to do, sit down and figure it out. Sit down and figure out who your clients are, where they're going to be, how you can get in front of them, what's working for people in your market right now, and start marketing. You've got to do this. Now, third step in breaking the feast or famine cycle is focusing on your ideal clients. So if recurring income was the engine and our marketing process was the fuel, then focusing on your ideal clients is the accelerator. This is the thing that takes it to that next level. It simplifies the work that you're doing, increases the fees you can charge, makes it a lot more fun to work with people. It's focusing on the people that you know that you can help, that you can get amazing results for, that have got the money to pay you, that are going to be fun to work with. So I like to think in terms of a Venn diagram. So you get those three circles that intersect, and that middle spot is where you want to be aiming for. So the first circle is what I call the big problem. This is just that problem in the market that you know how to solve. This is that thing that you're good at doing. The second circle is the market segment. So who can you help? What niche or sub-niche or segment or type of business are you able to help? And the third circle is your business. What results are you good at delivering? What can you systemize and scale? What capabilities have you got in your team that you can leverage? And when you focus on that center circle that combines the big problem in the marketplace that people are willing to pay good money to solve with a market segment that you can get in front of cost-effectively and convert with your business and what you're actually really good at in the world, that's when things really start accelerating. 
So my personal market criteria, and this has been pretty much the same for a long time, is number one, I'm looking for buyers. I'm looking for people who already invest in advertising. I want to see people spending money in newspapers or magazines or the yellow pages or SEO, pay-per-click, radio, television, trade magazines. I want to see them advertising somewhere. If they're not advertising, it's a real tough job to convince them that they should be. I want people who are already sold on advertising. People who are attending trade shows. They spend a lot of money to be there. They take time off work to be there. People who have a sales team. They've got a lot of money in salaries right there. These are the people who are their buyers. They're investing money to grow their business. That's who I want to go after. I'm looking for people who can afford me. So typically this means their clients average values about $1,000 or more. You know, it's really hard to get amazing results for someone when they're selling $20 reports online. You've got to sell a whole lot of reports to make a good chunk of money. Whereas if someone has a client that pays them on average $1,000, I've only got to get them three, four, five a month and they've paid for my services. You work with some of these big you know, lawyer firms or something like that where an average client can be worth $100,000, you get them one client a year and they're getting an amazing return on investment. I personally have found a sweet spot in that two to ten million dollar revenue range, but I've had clients and students, you know, well up to the hundred million dollar and above mark, had great success there. But I personally find anything, you know, much under two million, they typically don't have the marketing budgets. They're not as um, involved and invested in the marketing process. So it can be a little bit harder to sell them those higher value services. And I want people who've got a gap. They've got a gap between where they're at now and where they want to be. I'm looking for someone who I can provide value to. Like above all else, I've got to be able to provide value or they're not going to stick around. That's the thing with selling a recurring service. You're only as good as the results you get. People won't stick around if you don't get results. So you've got to be good at what you do. You've got to know who you can provide value to. As long as they see that value and they're getting value each month, they're going to stick around. I'm looking for markets where I've got an affinity, what I call the beer test. Would I want to have a beer with these guys after work? If the answer is no, I'm probably not going to have very much fun working with them. And finally, my market criteria is access. Can I actually get in front of these people? Can I do it cost-effectively, time-effectively, and lifestyle-effectively? So if getting in front of a market you know, involves me having to go to networking meetings and you know, kissing babies, shaking hands... I know I'm not going to do that because it doesn't suit my lifestyle. So I want markets where I can get in front of them via things like direct mail or cold email or you know an online funnel via Facebook with webinars or something like that. And then the breakthrough idea here is don't be afraid to say no to other work. Once you've decided who you want to work with, who you're really good at getting results for, who you know can afford and invest in your services, Don't be afraid to say no to other work because you will be tested. The moment you draw a line in the sand, someone's going to walk up and step over that line and see how you react. And if you back away and just keep drawing that line further and further back, people will walk all over you and you'll never work with those ideal clients. You've got to step up and say, hey, this is who we do it for. This is what we do. Is this you? Yes or no? If not, don't work with them because this is what opens up space for the people that you do want to work with. And also, don't be afraid to fire clients who don't fit the bill or don't conform or are causing you more headaches than they're worth. 
It's not until you start demanding what you want that the world will step up and give it for you. So the way we we start with this is we just do an ideal client avatar. Do a search for how to create an ideal client avatar. You'll find a million resources on Google and they're all pretty good. Just sit down and spend some time thinking about who is the ideal client for my service? Who do I love working with? Who can I get great results for? Build an avatar for them and then go out and find these people. Create your marketing process and go after those ideal clients. Now, there's always someone that will say, well, my business is different. And for the most part, no business is different. Most businesses, they all kind of work the same, the same type of clients, the same kind of model. There's Unless you're the only person in your industry and it's a, a completely different industry that's never been done before and like no one's ever done this thing in the history of mankind, then I can pretty much guarantee your business isn't different. And there is a way that you can create recurring income in there. So have a good think. Is it really different? Are there others who have done what I want to do? Are there people in a similar but different industry who are doing what I want to do? What if you simply did what they did in your industry? Sometimes the best breakthrough ideas don't come from your own industry and just copying what everyone else has always done, but looking at new and innovative ideas from other industries and applying them to your industry and being the leader. And if your business like really is stuck in this place where you can't create recurring income and it's just one-off projects and you're working with clients you really don't enjoy working with but you can't seem to get rid of them, then think about changing. Draw a line in the sand today and say, okay, if we were creating this business from scratch today, what would it look like? Would we have these same clients? Would we sell these same products and services? And if the answer is no, then why are you doing it? You can change. That's a great thing about being an entrepreneur and running your own business. You can do whatever you like. You can stop selling certain things. You can stop working with certain people. Change your entire business. Go into a different industry. Or simply just change your offer that you're putting out there. So let's look at some action steps for breaking the feast or famine cycle. Number one is that move to recurring income. If you're already selling products and services and you're doing the onesie twosie thing projects here and there, look at how you can add recurring component to what you're already selling. If you've got existing clients in the book, go back to them and let them know about your new recurring offer. Sell them on the value and get them signed up. You also want to start to develop a core recurring offer. So in our AdWords business, that's just our AdWords management services that we offer. It's our core thing, the number one thing that we're always looking to sell to people. There's two or three different options, but it's the basic same core recurring offer. And that's the lifeblood of our business. That's the beating heart. Number two, develop your marketing process. I can't stress this enough. What marketing are you doing? Who's going to do it? When should it get done? Where's it going to happen? Why are you doing it? Like, what's the point? And how? What's the actual process? Start developing this. And if you don't know, just start testing stuff. The worst thing you can do is sit back and try and plan out the perfect marketing campaign and be six months into your business and have not done anything. It's better to fail and fail fast and start learning from the market about what does and doesn't work. Then just commit to a weekly schedule. What day are you going to do your marketing? Some people like to you know, set aside Monday for marketing, and that's all they do. They don't work with clients on Mondays. They don't answer the phone on Mondays. They don't check email on Monday. They just do their marketing. Other people prefer to carve out blocks of time throughout the day. Maybe the first two hours of each morning is just dedicated to marketing. 
Whatever works for you is the system that's going to work. And the third thing, focus on those ideal clients. Sit down, develop your ideal client avatar, draw a line in the sand for who you want to work with, and then start firing that marketing process at them. So guys, that's it for breaking the feast or famine cycle. I hope you found this helpful. These were the three key things that really helped turn around my copywriting business and have made our AdWords business an absolute joy to work and run. If you enjoy the podcast, I'm looking to do these uh, every Wednesday going forward. So you're going to see a lot more content coming out from me. I'd love it if you could jump over to iTunes and write a review. Let me know what you think. Let others know uh, what you think about the podcast and we can you know, get more than three or four people listening to it. This would be fantastic.